This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, disaster divas. It is I, Jordan Cruciola, returning with my co-host. Amanda Smith. And, you know, I'm I'm keeping an upbeat tone right now because we're coming off a, you know, if you did your homework and to leading into this week's episode, we are coming off a real, real heart punch with the South Korean film Pandora. That was that is a combination earthquake nuclear meltdown disaster that once the action starts going on this one, it does not let up for its full, I think, like two hour and 15 minute runtime. And what yes. an intense experience this was. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I I like I should have anticipated going into this that it wouldn't be like a rollicking good time. But I think I was. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I can't remember. I think the last time we saw a movie that left me feeling like this was the wave. Right, right. Very, yeah. Very uh, serious treatment of the, yeah. of the, of the disaster issues. And I just, you know, my brain, my brain was a little wired more. I was expecting it to be like, you know, sort of a high jinxy atomic twister film. Um, which once I saw the runtime, I should have known it's not. I was going to say that. a two hour and fifteen minute South Korean film. I don't think is going to ever deliver you that in particular. I just I should have anticipated it. I should have known not to save it until ten thirty at night last night. Um, <laughs> and then once I was in it, suddenly I was like, oh no, this was. I needed to give myself four to five hours for for breaks and walks around the block. <laughs> It, uh, so that was it, that was on me. That was it a did, mistake. It did catalyze Amanda sending a text. Uh, I'm not sure at which point through her watch that was just in. It started with lowercase, just saying "I am," and then in all caps, "Not enjoying this experience" <laughs> or "Not enjoying myself." There was one or the other. I can't remember the specific wording, but it was a perfect. I feel like it was a, a real perfect testament to uh, this movie's commitment to really making you feel as horrible as its sort of message would intend for you to feel. Yeah, it 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 100% basically this this movie was essentially the thesis is, oh, you want to watch a movie instead of protesting nuclear facilities? <laughs> yes. That's all, this is going to be your punishment now. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. This this dare- is a movie that made me feel deeply guilty for uh for enjoying anything frivolous and not putting myself in front of a bus to stop <laughs> nuclear plant workers from arriving at work. It is, uh, it is, you know, it's, it's a expansive movie and it's runtime, but the, the premise is simple. There is a, a town has basically become a hub. It has become the sort of work, worker source for this nuclear power plant in a, it's kind of South Korean seaside little city village, maybe. And, we open with, I feel like you gotta know what direction it's gonna go when it opens with, in like almost like, it's like a dream sequence, it's sepia-toned flashback to children looking across the water at the nuclear power plant, having like four-year-old arguments about the benefits and downfalls of nuclear power and what it is. And it was like, oh no, we've already brought the children into this. 
devastation can only be awaiting. Cut to all of those kids are adults and all of the boys are now working at the power plant, which has been decaying and falling into disrepair and only being hastily restored every so often over the past 40 years. And guess what? It's built to withstand us up to 7.0 earthquake. But when a 6.1 hits the peninsula, uh, things start going very bad very quickly. And we are heading toward like a dual meltdown situation in this nuclear facility. And boy, oh boy, do we get the interpersonal trials and tribulations of each of our sort of ensemble cast as this movie unfolds. It is, it's a real heartbreaker. Oh yeah. It, um, you know, like it. What's funny is, as a in the first fifth, so it's it has that sort of setup of a bunch that a lot of kind of kooky disaster movie, which again was one of those things where I was not prepared emotionally because <laughs> the interpersonal dynamics in the beginning is like a bunch of lovable losers. Like they yeah. could just as easily be like Seth Rogen and company from a Judd Apatow movie sure, in sure. terms of lovable losers, and they're all kooky and incompetent, and there's a lot of like. <laughs> the mom is yelling at her son for being a loser and oversleeping. And the son is being horrible to his nephew and everyone hates each other, but loves each other. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, leading into it, I was kind of like, man, I can't believe these are the people, the heroes that I'm going to have to root for. Like this, <laughs> the main character, like, J um, J-Hawk. Yeah. He sucks. For so yeah, Jay Hawk is Jay Hawk is a uh, Jay Hawk's like you're kind of like very much the, a sort of screwball catastrophe loser. Yeah, he, he's the one who wakes like, up late. His mom's screaming at him. I think she throws a full cabbage at him at one point. Yeah. Just like you're, you do nothing, know nothing. We learn at one point that he like squanders the death, like the inheritance that his father leaves behind after he is killed after yeah, a mini was, no, incident at the nuclear the, plant. It was the inheritance. It was the payoff. So oh, his, yeah. there was an, a nuclear. So his. What we later learn is that his brother and father have both both died previously at this nuclear facility from radiation exposure. There was an accident and they died. The plant paid off the family. He opened a store yeah. and it with like all this money that they got as an apology from you know to, to not sue them or whatever. And he lost it all. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, what little <clears throat> legacy his father had left from like the, this from what the plant took from them. Mm -hmm. He managed to completely squander it, and now is going to go work on a shipping uh, on a on a fishing boat. Was his plan? Yeah, yeah. He's ready to go catch mackerel off the coast of Alaska, and one more like fishing expedition. I forget, like some something catch something else Octopus in Argentina. Off of, off yeah, of Argentina or something. That's yeah. what it is. He's going to go for two years. He's going to go, I guess, make bank on a fishing boat somewhere and he's going to, you know, come back and bring, you know, make good on being the failure that he traditionally has been. And he's going to give his longtime girlfriend who was a part of the pack of children that we see at the beginning. So they've known each other their whole lives. He's going to give her the life she deserves. But of course, all these people are expressing their like love and commitment to one another through perpetual like insults and put downs and making each other feel terrible about the role each, each person plays in each other's lives. And it was like, I'm reading all of this with love. I'm reading all of this, all of this uh, harassment and torment with love. And, you know, it's up to, it's going to be up to Jayhawk and uh, those, those band of, you know, scrappy hometown boys to eventually make the ultimate sacrifice in this movie. And what a fucking sacrifice oh it is. Oh my God. Like, yeah. you know, when, when you get, when you, when you, when you realize the tone that this movie is going to bring to you. And you, you know, you, you 
settle into the fact that you're not watching a safe and cute American movie. You're watching a movie that's going to be like, no, screw you. There's going to be real stakes here. There's going to be real pain. There's going to be real drama. And South Korean films, I think perhaps more than like any regional tradition of cinema in the entire world, excel at bringing in a thriller film an equal amount of suspense and emotionally punishing drama. Like you watch, that's one of the assets of Train to Busan. Like you watch that movie, you're wrapped up in the thrills and the sprinting zombies and it's amazing, but it's also an incredibly heartfelt story of a father and his daughter and of a, of the, the big strong man on the train who gives himself up to protect everybody. Like it, and the, the, the old sisters trying to weather the zombie apocalypse together. And like by the end of Train to Busan, you've cried multiple times, but you're also like, oh my God, that's one of the most thrilling zombie movies I've ever seen. Watching Pandora is like, okay, we're going to give you that balance with this, except instead of zombies, which I think by comparison are pretty tame, we're going to watch people get ravaged by radiation exposure as they sacrifice themselves to save the entire country of South Korea and probably like a significant chunk of Southeastern Asia as well. Like, yeah. we're talking the the vomiting blood, the, the sores, the pus the skin yeah. coming off. This is like, it's, it's, it's like watching that first episode of Chernobyl and that knowing is, exactly what's going to happen to these people and being like, Oh my God, they're all so close to the plant. Yeah. That was the thing is after about 45 minutes, I suddenly was like, I made an active choice not to watch Chernobyl. Cause I knew I was not emotionally <laughs> or constitutionally suited for this, uh -huh. for Chernobyl. Uh -huh. I just, everyone was like, you got to watch it. It's so good. And I'm like, I just, I know where my hard limits are. And my hard limit <laughs> is, is losing battle against radiation poisoning. Um, and then I was like, what ride did I strap myself right. into? Yeah. Oh no. It really, you um, strapped yourself yeah, to a rocket that was being you just Yeah. And that rocket, and, and the whole time that you're strapped to that rocket, you're like, there's no good ending to this. Because <laughs> no. like, it's, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, the and even as I was reading reviews and stuff, there were a couple of comparisons to Armageddon. Yeah. And in with American with a lot of American cinema, it's oh my god, I can't wait to see how they're gonna solve it. Yeah, yes. And with yeah. this, the and with this movie, it a hundred percent was oh my god, how is anyone going to survive this? And it's a very yeah. different, like there was a sense the whole time I was watching it, there was just such a sense of just overwhelming um like nihilism and fatalism to it uh -huh. that is incredibly compelling. Uh, <laughs> to watch. It's incredibly compelling, but also it, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I had to take multiple breaks to just like, uh, go hug my dog and lie on my bed. <laughs> like, at one point during, during the climax, <clears throat> I paused it, went into my bedroom and just laid down on my bed and stared <laughs> at the ceiling for about 10 minutes. And then was like, okay, I got this. And then went back in and finished it. Right, right. No, yeah. it, 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 there's also like, you're, you're, I feel like even though I was pretty sure they were yeah. going to make it work, it was also like, this plant could also just go up and the yeah. entire population of the country is going to like, for this movie to make its point, it, I completely believe that it's going to do the like, oh yeah, there can't be any heroes in a disaster of our own making this, this gr egregious and huge we're all going to be poisoned and die. I was like, yeah. that's possible. And I'm kind of stealing myself for that, which I think is a good, I think is a good step, step into the reality index because yeah. that is something that this movie, like where our, our American movies in a way that I'm not mad at at all. I like the way American movies make me feel in disaster context. I very much yes. do. 
like I, I need that. I require that. Every so often I need a wave. I need a quake. I need a Pandora. But for the most part, like I'm or, happy you with know the, what I the impact way we approach these things. Also, fa- the, like the, I think the closest, the most analogous to the, yeah. to the way that I felt watching this was fail safe. Um, just, I, I just realized that. Yeah. Uh, you, of, yeah. And in, in, in American sort of, dis- you yeah. know, that's high class disaster cinema, but in American disaster cinema, a real yeah. exception a real exception to how we typically handle these things. And like, this is, you know, if there's one thing we've, we've learned throughout the course of this pandemic, um, you know, it's been a slow burn with the way COVID is playing out. It's not like every day feels like the nuclear reactor is going to burst, but there is like the, Oh, it's not necessarily going to like, if it's going to be okay, it's not now. And it's not for a while. Like just because like, it's a brand new day doesn't mean that it's not worth like, continuing to press on and do your best like absolutely but just because it's a new day doesn't mean when you have shitty people in charge that someone's gonna have that eureka moment where they're gonna turn the whole thing around like you do get that in this movie but like watching the absolutely useless president who thank god his wife fully dresses him down at one point for giving up on the worst calamity in his nation's probably history, um, pretty pretty much as soon as the fight starts and just totally cedes power to his like bully prime minister and like the cabinet officials who will be that guy's lackey. I was like, oh yeah, a president who goes and hides in another room while other people around him make decisions and has absolutely no fucking idea what to do and is useless and as a result people are dying of inaction and are adrift and terrified amidst a vacuum of leadership and and gui- a guiding hand huh yeah no I believe that I believe that at least this president was sitting there feeling terrible and that's why he wasn't doing anything he just wasn't he wasn't just sitting there straight up not giving a shit yeah no he wasn't off golfing uh, yeah, it was, yeah yeah it was um it was an incredibly damning and accurate read on politicians in general and, you know, mm-hmm. a very, like it was in government and the way that government forsakes the bulk of humanity for <laughs> essentially business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, you know, spoiler alert on what this movie is really about. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and even there, there are even like the shifty prime minister who is totally running roughshod over the president he's even determining what information the president sees because he's established himself as the authority within the cabinet so people go to him first and then he's like oh we're not going to show the president this i was like oh a support staff that selectively shows the president intelligence because they've decided he's not a big enough boy to handle all the news that should come to his desk huh yeah interesting It, it it reminded me actually a lot of of the cheney bush dynamic Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was that was more so even than our current situation. It really yeah, okay. reminded me of that that Cheney Bush dynamic, and um, it was yeah. That, you know, <clears throat> the the real life roots of where a lot of this comes from between the corruption. Um, like there was <laughs> there was a corruption trial, I think, for the for South Korean for the South Korean president. There was there the ferry disaster, <laughs> ferry disaster, in, I think like twenty fourteen. And so there's definitely like a, a strong history from just South Korea's government alone of that they can root this in. But really, really the reality index of it, the universal incompetence and corruption and uh-huh. how easily how easy that is for any form of government, to any any government to truly just completely 
totally and utterly betray the people who have they've been elected to serve. Uh, we will we I, will cover the movie Shin Godzilla at a certain point on this podcast, which is oh boy, if you want to say you want to talk about a movie that is really about bureaucracy, it is an incredible monster movie about how the government absolutely snows itself under into inaction by being yeah. a total clusterfuck of leaders and subleaders and sub 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 leaders and special interests colliding with the interests of the nation. Like this, I appreciated. The ham fisted with ham fistedness with which the you know we incorporate the great disaster trope in this movie of we pretty early on we have protesters in front of the nuclear plant we have like the harried locals who look like they are just absolutely all look like eccentric professors standing out there like lying in front of the gate of the building to not let workers in like probably day by day and. I love that we start with that and we're like, oh, okay. So we absolutely know from the start that not only is this disaster going to be bad, it's going to be made exponentially worse by horrible, incompetent, at times collusive government that yeah. is going to perpetuate this disaster. And we're going to learn, of course, along the way that they had their chance to remedy some of these issues or stave them off before they became issues. And of course they didn't like at one point it's like, Hey, this reactor is going to melt down there. It is burning up all the coolant. We are heading for a apocalyptic kind of disaster. We need to, we need to start funneling seawater from the neighboring ocean and yep. pour it on the thing. It's our closest huge water supply. And they're like, well, if we pour salt water on it, we have to decommission the plant. It's like, excuse me, who's coming back to work at this plant after this? Who's yeah, coming when, back to work after this? When the, when but I believed it. I was like, of course that's yeah. part of the conversation. Uh, yeah. And that's, and we've, and that's the movie already has told us that like the guy who says that is basically has been appointed and he has absolutely no knowledge of nuclear facilities or anything to do with <laughs> nuclear things. He's a money man. Yeah. And so of course his main concern is how do we salvage the, the big thing that we've invested in that we now have to, that we now would have to decommission. Likewise, you know, to, to bring it back here, mayor of LA decides that, Oh no, what we mm -hmm. should do is reopen all the restaurants because yeah. how else will we salvage our economy and the taxes mm -hmm. and get the taxes that we need in order to keep paying for our police forces if we don't reopen all the restaurants, regardless yeah. of the human impact. Um, and we'll just call so, it L.A. Al Fresco, because that yeah, sounds we'll chic. Yeah, a cute name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea that, that yeah, when, when Park, who is the, so he has been the one who leaked the, um, the report to the president, because the president finds out that the, that the plant is, um, that the, he he's the one who's found out through who's gotten the report that the plant. Oh, I liked him so much. Yeah, Parks fantastic, and that that they needed a. So I'm man, me and words today. Woof. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> Give me one second. Reset. I just had to, like take a second to really get all the words to fall back into the right slots in my mouth. Um. So, Park has released the report to the president to saying that the plant has fallen behind on many of the necessary repairs and poses a major hazard to the community. And um, he the whole time is like the only one, and he just keeps yelling at the thing, at the employees of the things that need to be done to make it work. And because he is ultimately considered lower level. Yeah. And there's a chain of command and up the chain of command, if you've ever worked in any sort of um, 
retail environment, you know, that <laughs> once you get up the chain of command, the further you get up, the further removed they get from actually knowing how the job works. Okay. Okay. Um, and the less, the less long-term experience they've had, you don't get many market vice presidents who've spent any time really working in sales. Um, you don't get many like CEOs of major companies who've spent much time working in a store. So <laughs> likewise with this, uh, you don't get a head of a nuclear power plant who apparently knows very much about how to save the lives of the employees who work there. Um, so you've right. got, imagine park that. Is, yeah. Park, park just yelling constantly about what needs to be done and being told by a starch suit that we can't do that because we have to save the plant at the cost of human lives was very believable to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the fact that they're, that, you know, we have this community that is, Absolutely. Like, it, clearly, it, it, you know, something in proximity to a nuclear power plant, that's going to be the people who are going to be most at risk for this, that they are also they are at once the people fighting it the strongest, but also the people who are sort of they have to be prisoners of it. Like you have JCOC's mom who, you know, at one point there's a rift between her and her daughter in the movie because the daughter is like, why did you want to stay? Why didn't we leave? We should have left sooner. This is your fault. I'm blaming you for everything, basically. And she's a little heavy handed, but she's not wrong. And like she lost her, this mother lost her. I think we only ever hear her called mother. So she's mother yeah. has lost her husband and, and one of her sons to the plant. And like everybody kind of has a sort of this Stockholm syndrome with this place. That's like, well, it's provided for us for so long. It's given to us for so long. It's like yeah. the only industry left around here. It's quashed all other kinds of local business. It seems like besides like the shops and the things that provide services to people who work at the plant. So it was interesting to have that, like, I appreciated, too, like, at the ground level, having the civilian sort of interfamily fight between, like, the points of view on the plant, as well as we were having the sort of condemnation of the government handling of it all. And it, the way, too, that we see the sort of immediate reaction, it, it's, it's fascinating watching a disaster movie while a slow disaster is unfolding around you. And... You know, yeah. what a context we now have. And it, for one thing, I was like, oh, all these South Korean citizens immediately putting on their masks in the event of danger. I sure do believe that, considering South Korea is one of the countries around the world that has actually taken the COVID pandemic seriously and is opening movies in theaters right now and has children going back to school. I was like, yes, way to go for South Korean mask participation. Totally believe this. The populace would. Ours would not. Very selective participation and suggestions that putting on masks would be mind control to I don't know, take us over instead of preventing us to die from radiation exposure. Um, yeah, I just, you know, there was a lot of over-the-top kind of drama in this, but at the same time, what could be more over-the-top than an impending nuclear meltdown right next to your house? Why not? Why, what is it? Somebody, there was an incredible quote going around from, I think it was Minnie Driver posted it after Joel Schumacher passed away. And she said that, like she was on a set of one of his movies and an actress made a sort of like sniping remark at her about being over the top. And in parentheses, Minnie Driver put, I was. And mm. I guess Joel Schumacher barely looked over the edge of the paper he was reading and just said, oh, honey, no one ever paid for under the top. And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, that is the mindset that I want. That is the attitude that I want. And this movie 
is every emotion like up to 11. And you yeah. know what, honey? No one was ever paying for Under the Top, so give it all to me. These are people losing their towns, their livelihoods, their family members. Of course it's this bad. Of course there's this much crying. Of course there's this much like screaming till you throw up. Why would it be any other way? It's like, yes, yeah. this emotion feels accurate to me. If anything, Americans, we love schmaltz, but if anything, we undersell devastation and tragedy because like the hero always has a stiff upper lip in American movies. But there is an amazing thing that happens in the finale of the wrenching finale yeah. of this movie where Jace Yawk is going to be the one to like, well, all of the people who have been infected in the plant, all the workers who've been infected in the plant, they're, they're going to imminently die. So they volunteer to put themselves back into the most harm's way possible to repair a leak in the coolant pool of the spent fuel reactor, fuel, re fuel rods, nuclear fuel rods. So they're going to go in there because like, we're going to die anyway. We're the only people who can do this. Well, they decide that a strategy, fortunately, we also incorporate the disaster trope of blow some shit up. Like, this is, you know, we come back to the we come back to the tried and true roots of like, you know what? This isn't working in our current strategy to repair something, so we better blow some shit up to fix this problem, which ends up being the solution, creating a new sort of facility, a new sort of little containment room to house the spent fuel rods. Um, the movie pretty much ends with Jay Siok looking into a camera that has been wired through to broadcast across all of South Korea so he can basically say goodbye to his family because he's going to be the one to detonate the bomb inside this sealed room. And he is bleeding and, like, from every orifice, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, weeping, covered in dirt, can barely function because he's being wasted away by radiation. And he starts with this, like, you know, Mom, go, live a long life. I want you all to live a long life for me. Live as long as possible. And it is very heroic and brave. And then it segues into a Full on meltdown of why do I have to die like this? Why me? What did I do? What was so wrong? What was so bad? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Mom, mom, mom. I don't want to die. And it was like, yeah, that's actually how I would imagine anybody would feel. Not necessarily like Harry Stamper going stoically into the good night of a meteor crashing toward Earth and Armageddon, but taking a moment to sob, cry, fall apart, and panic because they were just about to die in the worst way possible. It was like, this yeah. feels so, this feels so right. Like, I feel horrible. I cried a lot in that scene. But like, yeah, he, he wasn't just going to like put his chin up, keep calm and carry on. He was like, holy fucking shit. I'm about to blow myself up after I've been eaten away by radiation for a really long time. And I'm not going to be able to say goodbye to anybody that I love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Worst, po worst possible situation. Cry that yeah, shit out, man. Blame, it be angry. Deeply, yeah. yeah, it was deeply moving. It was just, it, and, and it was probably the most realistic thing in this whole movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't, like, of course, and this is a young guy. Like, he's a kid. He's, like, in his early, his 20s. And, of oh, course, yeah. he's going to, and he's <clears throat> scared and alone, and he's about to die <laughs> by having an entire nuclear facility fall on him. Like, yeah, that <laughs> is, if the, look, if the radiation doesn't get him, and the blast yeah. doesn't get him, then he's going to drown in radioactive water. So, radioactive like, fucking coolant, man. Yeah. So no matter what... It his body just, will never be salvageable. Yeah. He's just going to... His corpse is just going to float around in coolant and, or be crushed by spent nuclear fuel rods until whatever's left of him, I don't know, dissolves. Like, fuck. It's, it's horrible. It's so, yeah, horrible. It's horrible. Um, and then like, and you're watching his family just absolutely like just oh. losing it, watching him on oh, television. Yeah. 
And, you know, one of the things, the, the way that the mom, the whole time that they interact has said nothing, but has been done nothing but berate him. Yeah. And the girlfriend has spent most of the time doing nothing but berating him. Like, he's lovingly. Done, and he's done nothing and but make And he's done nothing but berate them and be terrible yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. And now this is, like, the one moment of true emotion that any of them are sharing. And it's yeah. just devastating. Yeah, um, you're just cutting but, back and forth from his bleeding, crying, melting face to their sobbing, anguished faces, screaming yeah. at television. And it is just, and it's long. It's yeah. long. It does not, this scene does not pull a punch. And then it cuts at one point to like, when he starts screaming about how he doesn't want to die, it cuts to like the president putting his head in his hands. And it's like, oh my God, we are getting the 360 experience of this emotional annihilation right now. But like, yes, yes, we should. Yes, we should. What this This movie is getting at. Exactly. Like you said, we're not out there putting ourselves in front of buses. This is what we deserve. This is what we deserve. But then, like, and, uh, you know, one other thing that I found incredibly real, like, a really realistic thing that probably would feel too heavy-handed, except that having now seen, like, terrible, just being reminded of how terrible a government can be, Uh fully believed that after this emotional, devastating thing, the president still wouldn't know his name. Yeah. He was like, he refers to him, what was that guy? Yeah, something about that guy. How's that guy? Yeah, it's like, did that guy, what happened to that guy? Because he's about to detonate. And he, he drops his helmet into the radioactive water below him before his last act of strength he can even muster in his dying body is to push the detonator button and, like, free the fuel rods into a new coolant pool. You know, yeah. What happened to that guy? It's like, yep. And then, of course, you know, Pyong Sok, who has been our vigilant company's, like, nuclear power plant steward this entire time, who's also giving his life in this because radiation's definitely killing him. He looks at me, he's like, that guy's name is Jae Seok Kong. And it's, and he's like, I will remember Jae Seok Kong. I will never forget him. It's like, yeah, you didn't know his name until 10 fucking seconds ago, you dick. Yeah, Yeah, I absolutely don't believe that he will ever, that he will never forget him. I don't believe that for a second. No. No, no. You're going to move right the fuck on, and uh, hopefully you'll be in prison. (laughs) and hopefully you'll be in prison i gotta say yeah yeah Yeah, it was i mean every every step of the way like you really expect that the young handsome president like watching it from the deeply american perspective of expecting the young handsome president to you know realize how deep how completely wrong he's been and that he's had a corrupt advisor and that the prime minister has run roughshod over him but no more he's finally going to take control and it's like oh no 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 you're going to get on national television and uh beg people to sacrifice their lives because you suck yeah and that's the thing like he has his he has his come to jesus moment after his wife is like what the fuck are you even doing like i there there is that great moment where she asks him did you even understand everything before you gave up And it was just like, yes, drag him, make him feel horrible for the rest of your lives, however long that lasts. And he decides like, that's okay. I'm going to rise to the occasion. I'm going to be a leader. He finally, after a day and a half of this torture, walks into like his cabinet room and he's like, I'm going to be the big boss now. And he like starts doing the right things. And he makes an address to the nation where he's like, you know, I come to you with shame and I am not worthy of this position. It's like, well, I'm glad you're saying those things. But the fact is you still have the position. So you can self-deprecate all you want. That doesn't change where we're standing right now. And he has to do the like, we can't. 
and I thought this was interesting. I don't know how South Korean politics and divisions of power work, but when he was like, the reason those plant workers have to go back in is because nobody else can or will. But he's also like, I can't order the armed services to like arm, like I can't order military engineers to go in and fix that crack in the coolant pool because it would be murder and I can't order civilians to do it. It's like, well, I think, can't you though? Like, yeah, you're, I, I feel like that's like, what the military the mil- like for. Yeah, like I'm like that it's horrible and egregious and you should carry their deaths on your conscience for the rest of your life and like national day of mourning and like remembrance. But when he's like, I can't order military engineers to sacrifice themselves. It's like, no, that's that's kind of the that's like the dilemma of a commander in chief presence in the context of military. I think actually it's a great setup for, you know, like our heroes to rise, the everyman and go in there and you know, make the ultimate sacrifice because they know their their lives are over anyway. But it was like, I don't, again, I don't know the chain of command between the the South Korean military and its president, but I feel like the thing you can do is order people to go in there and fix this problem to save the entire country. That, I'd have to learn a bit more to know whether or not that was just a dramatic flourish or if it is actually a limit on the presidential office of South Korea that they can't order the military into harm's way. I actually, uh, it completely tracked to me with like how terrible he is and what a coward <laughs> he is. Cause in my head I was just like, he was oh, very he indecisive. Yeah. He just can't do it. Cause he doesn't want to feel the responsibility of being like, I sent those men to die. He was like, right. who wants to do this? So I don't have to was basically the general essence I got yep, from yep. that whole speech. Um, no, I hear you that. Yeah, I just I, at that point, at that point, I was so completely um, done with all of his shenanigans that I assumed <laughs> yeah. that it was just it was just him sucking again um, and him being a spineless little weasel. Um, I mean, asking the nation, is yeah. there who among us who among us can drive, I guess, can drive to the nuclear power plant yeah. right now? Like This seems like this isn't the most organized no. Did you want like maybe he should have put out a message on Facebook? Just yeah, like say, hey, anybody to call? out there? Yeah. How how do you plan on organizing this in a very short period of time <laughs> yeah. to like get enough people together and then find out whether or not they have the tactical know-how to do the things that need to be done? Um it just none of this was a good plan. And I <laughs> absolutely I was like, I, I do buy that he is such a useless figurehead that he can't manage to organize this any better but i also in a practical sense is like it's real lucky that you've got a <laughs> lot of nuclear engineers who've been exposed to death level levels of radiation yep yeah right adjacent to that plant like you got real lucky there sir yeah Entirely and that they're, because they're all willing we haven't talked about is that all of them are exposed to this radiation because the plant locks them in during the yes. meltdown they're all trying to flee, and the head of the plant locks down, locks it down and orders them all back to work so that mm-hmm. when it blows up, all of them are in, trapped inside. Yeah. It's truly, I mean, get back there to work. There are multiple occasions in this movie of people mm-hmm. being trapped to eliminate evidence. Yeah. yeah. Get back to work. That's the only way you and your family survive is something actively said to the plant workers who are trying to flee to get back to their families. Yeah. Um, which, like, again, fully <coughs> believed that. Also fully believed that they would take all of the people from a town, put 
put them in a sports arena and then yeah. lock them in they, and they then lock leave. them in. Yes. Yeah. They like the, they, they take them to they take them to a stadium. They yeah. put these people inside. They're like, oh, we don't really know what's happening. And fortunately, Jay Seok's girlfriend Yeonju like goes back to the plant to like desperately try and find him and, and bring him to to be with his family. So she sees the scope of the devastation that's happening. So she runs back to this arena and is like, the plant blew up. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. There's a fucking meltdown on the way. And officials are like, no, no, that's not true. Who'd you talk to? She's like, I was just there. And then when they all go off to sleep one night, Yeonju is still up. And she sees all these security people running up the stairs to get out of the building. And she goes up there and every single official in the radius of this building is fleeing because they've been given orders to run and they are just locking the townspeople inside this thing to die. So they yeah. can't talk about it and tell anybody what the government has done. Yeah. They Believable. Them in. They, yeah. They fully believe they locked them in when, when, when Yanju was like, it announces to everybody and the word gets out. And then they're all just resigned that they're stuck in there. But when the, when the government employees and the police and the military start running and taking the supplies as they flee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and leaving these people to die. Fully believable. This um, administration also, would do that. This, admi- this yeah. our current presidential administration yeah. would do that. Uh, 100%. They're not sending the CDC. They're not sending yeah. death reports they're to the CDC doing anymore. It. Yeah. Um, I fully, fully believe that. I also, you know, going back to the mom, you know, the mom gets a lot of, the mother gets a lot of, of uh, flack from, from her daughter-in-law for not, agreeing to flee and I and listening to the government officials mm-hmm. and again fully believed that you know why wouldn't you trust that the government has your best interest at heart yeah. why wouldn't you get on the bus with them and then go to the go to the facility that you've been told is going to be safe and mm-hmm. then they'll watch out for you because it's just a drill <clears throat> they're all told it's a, they're like no one's really told what's going on and they're kind of told it's a drill and yeah. the government is telling people that these are drills Mm-hmm. Even as they know they need to evacuate a 20 kilometer radius with millions of people in it. Yep, because, yep. of course, there is no plan in place for what yeah. to do should something like this occur. Because right. in order to make such a plan, they'd have to actually admit that it's impossible. Like, yeah. because it was such an insurmountable thing to have to deal with, they were all just like, well, we're just not going to. There's no plan. <laughs> yeah. It won't happen. There Which, was again, no plan from federal leadership. Yeah. Unfortunate. It's just, it is, it, uh, yeah, it was, I think, I don't know that this movie would have hit me quite as hard if I weren't watching it well into month four <laughs> yeah. of rarely leaving my home and like having Zoom dates with guys because <laughs> I have to gauge whether or not I want to meet this man in person and if he's r- like worth risking exposure yep. to a disease. And exposing yep. myself and potentially loved ones. Like, is this man <laughs> worth it? Um, spoiler alert, the answer is resoundingly always no. They never <laughs> are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think that this would have... Uh, the the reality index level of it, there's like nothing about this movie that I'm going to go, didn't really buy it. Didn't really... Yeah. There's not uh-huh. a single moment in this film that I'm going to, at any point, have any reaction. But yep, yep, fully, fully believe I- all of it. Which, I wish, by the way, reading the reviews from 2016 uh-huh. is so interesting because, well, one, there's a lot of like, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter. I read a Hollywood Reporter on a variety one, and one of them just had a lot of like built-in American exceptionalism to it. Jeez, of like, yes. you know, 
because of the importance of saving face in Asian cultures and because yeah. of the culture, you know, and they put all right. of the, the cover oh up of the secrecy God. on the idea that there's like something unique to Asian cultures of not wanting to be disgraced. And it was as doc, as Dr. Anthony Fauci is being suppressed by the white house from yeah, speaking on major news outlets. And he has to find any medium possible in which to convey the seriousness of the ongoing pandemic. Jesus. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, oh there's, my there's so God. much of this American exceptionalism of like, well, that's because that's how, you know, this is really uh-huh. looking at how the, how Japan handled the Fukushima meltdown. And this is about the culture of secrecy. And it's like, no, no, no. This is actually about how ultimately governments are yeah. trying to serve and protect <laughs> themselves with much less of a focus on serving and protect the people they actually need to serve and protect. This is, this is not a national issue. This is a, an issue of governments as a whole and all encompassing. But I, I would be curious to see how people. We were just waiting for our like cue that. in the disaster line to totally show our asses. Yeah. I would be curious to see how like this movie is reassessed by people <clears throat> who have previously dismissed it as sort of being a regional thing. Uh-huh. Like, Oh no, maybe, maybe this is just, uh, humans are horrible and particularly humans who pursue government positions are terrible. Like maybe. Yeah, people who, people who want power, people who want power are frightening. Yeah. I, I wish we, I wish there was a recorded conversation between the two of us talking about this movie in 2016 that we could oh, play yeah. alongside our 2020 conversation because I mean, I don't know what I would have said. Like I, I, I would have enjoyed this movie just as much. I would have enjoyed the, the melodrama and I would have enjoyed the absolute unrelenting, you know, emotional terror of it all. But I'm so curious to know what my 2016 self would have said about the believability of some of these scenarios. Like not, I don't think I, I, I would like to think I wouldn't have played into the American exceptionalism, but I feel like I would have been, I feel like I would have erred more on the side of like, Oh yeah, you play this stuff up for a movie. Like, of course, all this stuff gets heightened for a drama. Of course, all this stuff gets heightened for a film to make it more exciting. And it's like, oh, dear. No. Incompetence, indeed, defies. It defies even the most heightened narratives we could write. As, you know, the joke I feel like has been made over and over at this point goes about this presidency. If you wrote a script about this presidential administration before it existed, you would get slash edits back being just like, this is, nobody will believe this. It's too much. You have to take out, there's too much. And there's not enough, or like you need to cut, 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 cut. Well, here, look at this every day. There's a new, there's a new yes. And that we get to deal with in the news cycle. So man, what, what a time and what a time in which to be evaluating both of our timeline selves on on how we would perceive Pandora. I'm glad we have these reviews to kind of look back on and and see the errors of our yeah. ways in certain regards. I know for sure in 2016, I would have probably been like, why wouldn't I would have sided more with the daughter-in-law of being like, no, why would you listen? Like weirdly enough, I would have probably gone, no, why would you listen to the government? Why wouldn't you run? And it's like in yeah. retrospect now. Like, of course you trust that the government is doing things with the best interest at heart. Right. Like, for, for the very least us- survival reasons. So you're not yeah. spending every day spending wa- in waking terror that the people in charge have, don't care about you at all because that kind of cripples you in many ways. Yeah. So it's just, it's that thing where, I mean, I would have absolutely been like on the side of the daughter-in-law being saying, ah, oh, you guys should have run, you guys should have fled. But for the first three months, none of us wore masks because we were told by the government that the masks wouldn't make a difference. So, you know, it's really hard to having come out the other side, not come out the other side, but being deeply into 
our own kind of slow unfolding meltdown. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I see how this is human behavior that we mimic even as like my brain, my logic brain knows that you can't trust, but like I would have been probably less trusting of the government in 2016 in a movie <laughs> yeah. while also believing at its core that it's exaggerated, <laughs> as you said. That, like, yeah, but that's not actually how this would work. Like Barack Obama wouldn't do that. Like, of right. course not. Even even the worst Republican wouldn't do this. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yes. no, well, actually, it's not that they would do it or wouldn't do it. It's that there would be such a breadth of incompetence mm-hmm. and that, self-interest. Uh, and, and yeah, and blatant self-interest. Um, I mean, God, the president having his, <clears throat> telling his wife to evacuate and his wife being like, absolutely the fuck not, we won't evacuate. Yeah. And yeah. then, as you said, dressing him down and just unloading on him for giving up. Uh, Melania would be on the first boat out. <laughs> yes. In a jacket absolutely. that has some sort of coded message about fuck all of us. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, she would be in a submarine leaving yeah. the East Coast, like, in, shielded from radiation. But absolutely, gone. Yeah. He wouldn't even yeah. know where she went. He'd be like, where's Melania? And she, oh, she left hours ago, sir. Yeah. No, and, oh, and, and, and yeah, and, 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 you know, as we saw from, sorry, my dog is, is guarding against a delivery person now. Oh, the great reviled mailman. Oh, my God. I think this is, like, I don't even know. They went around the side. That, like, I think they went to my back neighbors. I think it's a Postmates guy. Um, but Kit's going to show him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the idea that like there were multiple members of Congress who were shorting stocks and buying into 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 healthcare and and buying yes. into like PPE Vir- virtu- yeah, and virtual virtual meeting technology. Yeah. As while also telling the American public that everything's fine. Like nothing's there's nothing this bad. It's not even a big oh. deal. Like that, that was happening. We now have an exact one to one on this. Where honestly, like, I was almost impressed that the prime minister stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think you're, that, right. you're right. He was going down with the ship, whichever way it was going. And the fact that he yeah. stayed, kind of shocking. Yeah. Like, reality index wise, they would all be in like a bunker at this point, completely saving themselves and their family. Oh, yeah. Not saving anyone else, but you know. No, they would have been giving that address from, like, their equivalent of Air Force One. They would have been giving yeah. that address from, like, their their radio, radio radiation-proof shelter in the side of a mountain somewhere. It wouldn't have been, like, yeah. I'm standing in Korea prepared to do whatever I – prepared to, to take whatever is going to happen to me. Like, no, no. I'm standing on something getting me as far away from the rest of you pieces of shit as possible is what I feel like I would expect from people in power right now. Yeah, so the reality index is actually that this maybe wasn't quite cynical enough. Yeah. <laughs> which is deeply horrifying yeah like, is wow, it possible pandora f- didn't go hard enough like what the fuck america what like, <laughs> look at themselves in the mirror for a second and think about the people that we have in power that watching the movie about the horrible nuclear meltdown happening and the subsequent cover-up the bad guys did more of the right thing than most of our government would be expected to at this point like good job america good yeah golf claps, golf claps for us and I did, I did believe, I did, you know, much of a dramatic, as a dramatic flourish as it was to have like that, not one hero, but like, you know, dozens of heroes down there sacrificing themselves. You know, it was a very picturesque ending in a, in a, in a sort of perfectly tidy bookend onto like the, 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 the common man rising up and our, our hero, our 
protagonists, our ragtag band of protagonists we meet in the beginning, becoming like our unlikely heroes in the end, and the one man blowing the room to save the entire country. Of course, it's very dramatic. It's very film. But the idea that it would end up being somebody who had no business being there and giving their life for an entire country when more qualified people should have stopped that situation from happening. Yeah, it will. It would fall to these blue collar workers. Like Mm -hmm. ultimately it it is, it is in the hands of the citizenry and the individual people to fix this, I guess, because of the layers of apathy or ignorance or incompetence that have come from the people in power. Like, yeah, yeah, this is very cinematic and it's it's very heavy handed. But at the same time, who else would it be but these guys who lived here and felt like they had a stake in the place and the people that they care about that were going to fix this? So ultimately, I was like, yeah, even this sort of grand hero's journey to the end feels like totally reasonable because honestly, who else am I trusting at this point to get this done? Yeah. And and who else would the government end up turning to except for essential workers or like teachers <laughs> yep. who don't have to make teachers who don't have to make their wills because the yep. government's like, no, you guys are just going to go back to school and it's going to be fine. And teachers have to now scramble to figure out what they're going to do in case they die from exposure to COVID. Yep, yep. Like this. Yeah. It all, it, again, it, the only, the only points of unbelievability is maybe that it pulled a couple of punches of just how terrible the government could be. <laughs> yeah. But, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, that the that the young guy who didn't want to be working there in the first place, who wanted a life more than that, but this nuclear facility has completely strangled everything else in this entire town. Right, I mean, yeah. they point out there's no farming, there's no fishing, there's no tourists. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, as bad as 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 much as in the beginning, we're told that like his that his store failed because he sucks. Yeah. And also sounds like his store failed because it's a coal mining town, essentially, yeah. where there is literally nothing else. And the government and the government and the the facility probably depresses wages just enough to right. keep people from finding jobs or, t- or opening up stores or building a fuller life than this. Mm-hmm. And so they have to stay completely attached to the nuclear facility. Like that's that seems entirely possible. That's probably what's happening. So, of course, it ends up being that the this nuclear facility has taken everything from this town. So the last thing that they can do is take what apparently is like most of the sons and husbands of the people <laughs> yep. of this town. Like, yeah, yeah it's very much like old, old, like old wartime in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, the son, the sons and the husbands have been cleared out. Yeah. It's just, and it's just <laughs> going to have decimated this town and God knows what's going to, we, you know, we don't really even know what's going to happen to the other people in this town. Like I assume that the mom and the sister-in-law and the girlfriend are all going to end up dying from radiation poisoning. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. all going to die. It's just a question of when we see them die and how horribly. That's um, and they're not going to get the they're not going to get the thing with the all their photos stand, lined behind the president as he gives a stirring memorial speech. They're just going to die horribly in their homes or in hospitals, and we're not and we're not going to know their names. Like that's what that is. Yeah, and a, so, a cloud even, of radiation is washing over them as they try and walk as far as possible. Yeah, when the traffic gets so bad that they're locked in place. And so, yeah, like, they're also, like, nobody really that the camera focused on at any point, like, that was around the blast radius is out of the woods. Yeah. Just nobody. Not not even so, little Min Jay, the little boy. Yeah, the little boy is going to die. Like, everyone is going to die, and it's horrible, and we all know this. Um, Park's wife is going to die. Everyone's going to die, and it's terrible. And so the sense of relief of, like, yay, they stopped the blast is, like, they stopped it from killing everyone, 
but yeah. everyone that we know and <clears throat> care about is gonna die <laughs> horribly. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfair and it's terrible, and it and you know nothing can be done to stop it. So you know, does that bring us? You know, I feel like we've covered the beats of this movie. I, I, yeah, I think that does that bring us to, to what is this? What is this to really what about? this movie really? What is this movie really about? Oh yeah, my God, I, yeah. What do you think, Amanda? I mean. I think I'm gonna go back to an old tried and true for us. <laughs> uh, the real, the real villain is capitalism. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is, what is this movie really about? It's 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 a common theme for us, and it's a common theme in South Korean cinema. Uh huh. The real villain all along is capitalism, um, because the government incompetence is sparked almost entirely from the fact that they are heavily invested in having nuclear power be successful. Yeah. Um, and so every step along the way is trying to get a bill. Like there's a bill that the prime minister has been championing to open more facilities. It's trying to make sure that the facility isn't decommissioned because, you know, why would we stop the nuclear meltdown if we're going to have to decommission? Yeah. It's a very expensive thing to decommission a nuclear plant and we want to yeah. be able to use it later. Well, no, we want the people in the surround. Like, what good is a nuclear plant if no one can go into it because it's of the radiation levels? Well, and there, and it's mentioned on like newscasts that like once the newscasts start like covering the 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 tragedy that's happening, yeah. they say like there are too many you know with all of the nuclear power plants in South Korea, there are too many nuclear power plants next to major cities. Like you start getting like the broader cultural picture yeah. of 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 the the prevalence. And the the I guess the problem of of nuclear power in in South Korea that it sounds like the country is heavily invested in. They're very heavily invested in. Like that is that is rooted in in truth. It's um, they I think have twenty. They had tw in twenty sixteen like twenty four. They were going to increase to twenty eight. Um, while the rest of the world is was decreasing their reliance oh, on nuclear right. power. So it it is very much rooted. But like even the quote when they're locking all the workers of get back to work. That's the only way you and your family survive. Like way to. <laughs> To put put it right on the nose, right? Now, guys. <laughs> yeah. Get back to work. That's the only way you and your family survive. And it ends up being true in the sense that if they don't go back to work and shut down the facility themselves, and they, it's the only way that anyone outside of the facility is going to survive. Uh -huh. But like you know, you were not to not to make light of the Holocaust, but like there was that quote of there was the the thing over one of the working work camps. The statement of work will set you free. Work will set you free. Our bite must uh, fry. Yeah. And uh, that was really, that was the reoccurring theme in this was essentially capitalism's going to kill us all. And it's just a yeah. question whether or not they'll let us know first that we're going to die. Um, whether they'll give us the courtesy of telling us that capitalism is going to kill us. So Jordan, what do you think yep. this was about? I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. And um I, I will just do a, a small extension off of it of uh, we are, you know, we among the, I guess, the proletariat are the only ones we have uh, power, the, the, the ones in never trust power and never trust money. I think that will be my sort of boiled down, uh, my sort of boiled down. What, what is this movie about? Never trust power, never trust money. Least of all, if you have either of those things yourselves, you have to be constantly interrogating your status and how it affects your decision making and how it isolates you from other people if you are of privilege and if you don't do those interrogations and if you don't stay on the ball about those things you can even become 
the well-meaning, handsome young president of a disaster movie who ends up crippled into an action in his office, sitting around stacks of papers and doing nothing to help people who are in danger because you've fully lost track of how to even be like a human being and a leader at the same time. And so therefore, only the people without power and money are the ones who are willing to step up and be the essential workers in time of crisis because the 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 people with the the white gloves the people in those you know ivory towers aren't certainly not going to step down from their platforms to solve the problem and dirty their own hands so yeah that's 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 what i've got to bring to the table yep i'm in bleak bleak this week but you know what a message uh, a message worth talking about yeah um, in terms of fantasy casting, I'm going to cop out on this one, mostly because I don't think that you could recast or remake this movie. There no. wouldn't be an American movie that could do this justice. No, no. Agreed. No. Uh, completely agreed. Yeah. I no. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with this cast. I, yeah. I, this, this, this exists on its own. This can't yeah. be made into a Gerard Butler movie. This can't be made into a Casper Van Dien movie. Uh, yeah. Me putting in a lesbian romance for absolutely no reason other than my own personal delight would ser- <laughs> would not serve the narrative here. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm leaving this intact. Yeah, I'm leaving this intact as well because it's just, you could not make this into an American film and have it be, it would end up being an Armageddon and that would be doing it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, shouts out to, shouts out to Kim Nam-gil who played Jae Hyuk in this movie who really like starts out like we talked about as our screwball hero, but in that last final speech, yeah. bleeding and sobbing and falling apart, I was all in and a, a huge high five to that actor for who knows how long he had to film that scene for and how many yeah. times he had to do it. But that was a real hero's effort to, to really put his whole heart, soul and self into that wrenching last monologue. So great job. Thank you. Kim Nongil for that. Yeah. You know, I read a review where that was like that last scene goes on too long and I'm like, what kind of a monster are you? <laughs> it's just it goes like the review the review I read I don't remember which one it was but like it talks about how it just goes and it's overwrought and I'm like I are you just how flippant and shitty are you as a human <laughs> that you feel that this is overwrought and overdramatic like this is a young man about to die alone and away from his family and scared yeah. Even are a you minute. fucking kidding me yeah no it, yeah. it like it is long and the point is that it's long yeah like yeah, that's the point is that you're you're trapped in this moment with him, and I think you're supposed to, you're supposed to be like Jesus. When is this going to end? Oh my God, this is punishing. Like, how long are we going to be here with this guy? It's like uh, longer than you are longer than you are comfortable with because you shouldn't be comfortable with anything that's happening here. Exactly. Yeah, you need to live in the discomfort of it, and that scene is specifically to make you live in that discomfort for for a little while. And the reviewer was just didn't want to do it. No, so, no, fuck I you I reviewer. Believe- that's yeah, I fully hard. support I fully support director Park Jung Woo and his decision to just cut like take his knife and keep cutting out parts of us while yeah. we while we weathered that with Jay Seok and his, and his screaming anguished family. So how many how many feels like a weird question almost. How many, how many towering infernos does Pandora get? Oh god. Um it's one of those ones where again it's that's like uh, the sliding scale of almost like a 47 meters down where I want to give it a high rating, but I also never want to watch it again. Right. Yeah. And so often that, that towering infernos for me is about like how many, how, would I watch it again? Would I go back to it? Would I revisit totally it? Fair. Never. Yeah. Never would. I think I got to go four <laughs> just because it's losing an inferno, just because the, like it's, it's, it's really well done and it's really mm-hmm. well executed. 
I have to give it four just because I never want to revisit this film ever again. No, I think that's still, I think I'm in the exact same spot. I yeah. was thinking four. I, it's one of the, it's a great single experience watch. Yeah. And, and I don't have to watch it again because I won't soon forget it. No. So I, uh, yeah, I don't, there are, there aren't parts of it that I'm going to need to, to go relive for the fun of it. And there, there, it's not something that I'm going to be like, God, you know, I just don't really remember how that movie even made me feel. No, no, I'll remember that. So yeah, yeah it's a solid four for me as well. And I, I do, I really hope people watch this one. I really, I really hope people watch Pandora. Yeah. I, and I definitely understand, like, for those of you who don't want to tackle it right now, fully yes. get it. Um, yes. as, as I was watching it, I did think about like how we've had a few reviews that are or comments from people being like, this has been really something that's helped me get through the disaster. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys for this one. <laughs> yeah. But you're definitely, somebody, you know, if you're yeah. out the other side emotionally where you're not, where you're feeling in a place where you are capable of handling two hours and 15 minutes of deep emotional devastation and yeah. fatalism, yeah. it's worth it. It's absolutely yeah, if you're one of those people it. who's been like, I uh, like seeking out pandemic movies in the pandemic. If you're like, I want to watch Contagion right now. I want to watch Outbreak right now. Then Pandora will be for you. But if you're yeah. like, I really want to watch like Volcano right now. It's like not necessarily going to give you that. Like if you, you know, if you want to watch, if you want to watch Stonados right now, this this movie isn't going to push those buttons. Yeah, this isn't giving you the Earth catastrophe that you're looking for. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Earth catastrophe! What a remember that? What a beloved time! Yeah, which again, Tenet has been delayed yet again. Is delayed indefinitely. So I'm just yeah. fan theory. Tenet Chris is Nolan's, Earth catastrophe. Nolan's Earth catastrophe. <laughs> All right, so uh, next week we yeah, are going considerably I'm lighter. I'm excited about this. Just even title alone. I have no yeah. idea. I've never seen this movie, but the title alone is great. So uh, next week we are going, we're, we're taking it to the to the forests again. Um, <laughs> with Grizzly Rage. Grizzly? Oh, yeah. available. Grizzly Rage. Which, uh, the, from the description, it sounds a lot like, I know what you did last summer, but with bears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Directed by the prolific filmmaker David Dakota, who has made a lot of genre fare, including the very, as Amanda pointed out about one of these movies, the very punctuated, a talking cat, a talking (laughs) pony, my stepbrother is a vampire, all of which end with punctuation, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. And also, I'm really mad that Grizzly Rage doesn't have that now. Should be Grizzly Rage? (laughs) Definitely. Grizzly Rage? And and importantly, I, I would also like to to this is an important part of the da- the legacy of David Dakota. He is the director of the Voodoo Academy films. He directed Voodoo Academy, Voodoo Academy Two. So he uh, created that franchise, which is a uh, popular for its niche. It's a kind of formative gay horror franchise when gay horror movies weren't really a thing that was existing yet. This was even, I think, pre-Hellbent, which was sort of meant to be the, like, breakout gay slasher that that kind of never was. But I think I think deserves a reappraisal now. Different director. But David Dakota directed Voodoo Academy, and it's kind of like a... It's sort of a crossover between slasher and softcore male porn. Um, 
And so this is this is a filmmaker of a great depth and great breadth in David Dakota. And I am glad that we are going to tap into his filmography with Grizzly Rage. I'm acquainted with Voodoo with Voodoo Academy, and I'm excited to get into this one. Well, I I watched this a while ago, and I can tell you that there's no softcore um, male porn in this, which worse for it. I 100% will argue that. However, um, I am seeing this movie stars Taylor Hecklin. Tyler yes. Hecklin. OMG. Yeah. Grizzly Rage starring Superman himself. Oh my God. Tyler Hecklin. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So after killing, after accidentally killing a bear cub while celebrating graduation in the woods, four teens, <laughs> become, four teens become the target of a seemingly unstoppable grizzly. So I have, this. I have to say, the cover, like I'm on IMDb, I'm looking at yeah. the image of what would be the DVD cover. And the tagline is ripped apart at the screams. Yep. That is outstanding stuff. So this will be this will be a good this is not gonna have um the emotional weight. This will be a little <laughs> lighter. This is sort of the parfait that is following our, our very heavy yeah. meal. Yes. Um, and and that is available on Tubi. Tubi so, Tubi. Tubi. So we've got we've got that coming up next week. So something a little lighter, you can stream it there. Um, I think also on Amazon as well. But hey, we love Tubi. We love their weirdly timed commercial breaks. <laughs> <laughs> For these kinds of movies, a weirdly timed commercial break is almost like enhances the viewing experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I will say just looking at um, David Dakota's filmography, I am fascinated by this weird The Wrong franchise that he's been doing for Lifetime for like four years. Uh, oh, okay. There's a bunch of movies like The Wrong Roommate, The Wrong House Sitter, uh, The Wrong oh, okay. Friend, The Wrong Cruise. <laughs> he's made like 10 of these in the last five years. It's kind of wow. unbelievable. Oh, my God. They're coming up in 2020, The Wrong Realtor. Yeah. And The yes. Wrong Stepfather. <laughs> he's got two wow. of them coming out this year. Okay. Wow. Maybe this oh, would be wow. like a sub podcast for us. And Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama 2, yeah. which is a sequel to the 80s film Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama from 1988, a cult horror comedy. Wow, we're getting a sequel. What? Well, it's this time to revisit Sorority Babes. Let's be real about that. Yeah, it is, especially when they're in the slime ball bolorama. So, okay, yeah. this is this is. I'm really glad that we're tapping into David Dakota, who it should be noted on IMDb is listed as having 163 directorial credits just Insane. since 1984. Well, and he which, like he got his start in the Roger. Yeah, he he got his start in the the Roger Corman world. Uh, yes, and so like that's that's a that's a world where you got to crank out. I mean, like in '85 alone, I think he had ten movies that he directed, or ten at least features that he directed. Like, I feel like I feel like David Dakota is going to come out of quarantine with nineteen movies. Like this guy's going to oh, find. Yeah. I mean, he's got let's see four credits for 2020 as a director. So I mean. This is this is I, I I love a workhorse. Yeah, I love a workhorse. That's fun. And I'm I'm glad to be getting a, I'm glad to be featuring an auteur on on the pod. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited for us to tackle this, um, and so excited for us to tackle maybe the rest of his maybe the rest of his his canon. He uh, made eight of them in 2019. He made eight feature length movies in 2019. So I think we <laughs> he can there make. 
porn. There are porn directors who turn out fewer films than this. This there is amazing. Are, there are podcasts who turn out fewer podcasts than this per year. <laughs> Man, I hope I hope Bruce Davison is somewhere in this filmography because it feels like he has to be. It feels like you can't be this prolific and not have employed Bruce Davison at some point. Yeah, absolutely. We, we will watch yeah. until we find Bruce Davison. <laughs> Uh, David Dakota, come on Bruce the pod. Davison. Yeah, David Dakota, join us. I just checked; he doesn't have a Twitter account because well, you know that's probably he's why busy he's busy so making pro- movies. Probably why he's so prolific. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. <time> Twitter. <laughs> oh my god! Well, but yes, anyway. uh, I, I'm glad we're going to bounce back like a rubber band next week with a different kind of tone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U, and now, now and now and as always, on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Cruciola, which you can look up how to spell my name, it's C-R-U-C-C-H-I-O-L-A. All right. I am Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Um, yeah, and I <laughs> am churning out nothing of, of value or relevance. I'm currently private, but that'll change hopefully once I get go through my job uh, background check. Ah, and, yes. Yeah. Due diligence. Like, maybe they don't need to see all of the weirdly inappropriate things I tweet about baseball players or all of my eat the rich tweets. Like, probably sure. not important. Right, sure. Um, and then, Jason, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me at Jason Halftones on any uh, social media platform. Excellent. So we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Interact with us, tweet us, uh, talk to (laughs) us. Keep me amused while I'm lying on my sofa staring into the void. Yes, do. And yeah, please. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Grizzly Rage. See you then. Thanks. Thanks for this, Tyler Hecklin. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you. Thank you, Grizzly Bears. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, see you guys next week. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>